Welcome to Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft, a podcast hosted by me, Lilith Amberley. If you're exploring witchcraft for something beyond the aesthetic, if some social media platforms make you cringe and say, ah, that's not me. If you're looking to build a practice that enhances your life, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Welcome, my friend, to episode one of Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft. So why have a podcast, Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft? Well, because I'm not my daughter. And before I get any hate, let me just say that I love 20-somethings. I have a few of them. I love their zest for life. I love their passion in everything they do, including their witchcraft. I love their badass attitude. In fact, if I was 20 again, I would want to be more like them. But I'm not 20. And a lot of the people that I talk to about witchcraft and about exploring their spirituality and finding their way in the world are at a different point in their life as well. I didn't explore witchcraft earlier for a few reasons. One, I didn't have the courage to step outside of the norm and explore different paths until much later in life. And two, I really didn't have the time. I was busy finishing my education and building my career and raising a young family. I really didn't have the time, or should I say make the time, to think about or build a magical practice. Let's take a minute to talk about what a witch is. Well, it depends. It depends on who you talk to. If you ask 10 different people, you are going to get 10 different answers. A witch to me is a person that uses magic to influence outcomes in their life. It's as simple as that. That may not be what the word witch means to you, but I think it's important that you know what it means to me so you understand the perspective that I'm coming from. Speaking of perspectives, I combine several different paths, including druidry, ceremonial magic, and folk magic in my practice. My practice has taken me several years to cultivate. I believe that magic can be created in three ways. The first, from the powers within oneself. The second, through the energy of the outside world. And the third, by invoking and or petitioning deities or other spirits that we're in relationship with for favor. I found success in all three, and I often use each method in combination with one or both of the others. For example, I might petition an ancestor guide to assist me through a difficult financial time. I may also be projecting my own will to change the situation. And I might create a sigil drawing on the energy of the earth to carry in my purse. I don't subscribe to a formal religion, so I'm not Wiccan. Not every witch is Wiccan. Those terms are not interchangeable. I'm an animist, meaning I see the spirituality and life force in everything around me. I'm a polytheist, meaning I believe in it and I have relationships with more than one deity. I guess you can say I'm a bit eclectic. So how did I start walking this path? I was in my late 30s and trying to get pregnant with my youngest daughter, who's now 12. My husband and I were going through fertility treatments, and I had a very close acquaintance who was a practicing Wiccan. She asked if she could do a spell for us so that we can get pregnant. And to be quite honest with you, I kind of thought it was a little bit weird at the time. But I said, hey, you know what? I'll take whatever you want to send my way. Whatever prayers, whatever energy, I'd be more than happy for it. But to be quite honest, I kind of laughed a little bit about it. And then I got pregnant. And when I got pregnant, I attributed it to many things. It was the work of God or some great spirit. It was the work of medicine. It was the work of my doctors. It was all of those things. But I almost didn't want to acknowledge that magic and spellcraft may have had a part in it. Now, magic may not have been the direct cause because there's a lot of forces that had to come together to make it happen. But if I can attribute my pregnancy to a God figure and medicine and my doctors and myself and my husband and all of those things, why couldn't I also attribute part of it to spellcraft? It took me a while to accept that. 
And I remember having a conversation with that acquaintance a few years later, and I apologized to her. I was like, look, I'm really sorry. Because when you came to me, I kind of scoffed at this. I might have even mocked it a little bit, and I'm not proud of that. But I did it because witchcraft to me at the time was something from fairy tales. It was something from books, something from television. It was not something that was real. But after I had my daughter, something happened. I started thinking about this more and more, and I thought to myself, what if there really is something more to this? What if there's more to this life than what I was, what I was experiencing? What if some of the magic that I experienced as a child, what if it was real? When the world seems magical, it's hard to not be filled with joy. So I started my journey exploring these different paths that people were walking and wondered if one of them might be for me. The first thing I did was started reading everything that I could. And I still read a lot. I take it all in, then I distill it very quickly as to what I can take away from it and what I need to just leave by the side of the road. I started practicing the things that I was reading and learning about, and I found that witchcraft, like any other craft, takes practice, and you actually have to do it to become good at it. So while I continue to read, and I continue to encourage you to read, it's more important to do. Once I started doing, things started happening. Things that I thought weren't necessarily possible became possible for me. I was able to pivot my career, and I was able to watch opportunities unfold for my husband that weren't there before. I believe that my magic was part of that. And notice I said, part of it. Magic can't move mountains. I don't believe that if you're looking for a new job, that casting a spell alone is going to get you there. You have to be doing the things. You have to be building your skill set. You have to be putting yourself out there. You have to be building your resume. What magic does is that it helps propel you along that path, but it never takes the place of the real life work that you have to do for success. It helps to influence those situations. It helps to nudge things along in the way that you want them to go. Welcome back, my friend. Now let's talk about the three things that you can do today to jumpstart your own magical practice. These things may seem simple, but they are the building blocks of everything that I do. And whether you're just getting started or you already have a practice, these are the foundational things that get you started or they provide an opportunity to get back to the basics whenever you need to. So those three things are one, space, two, meditation, and while separate, I'm going to include grounding in here as well, and three, writing. So let's talk for a few minutes about space and why it's so important. You can carry out your magic from anywhere, and there are going to be times that you do. But creating a space to work in every day helps to start building that ritual, that habit, that thing that you do. There's a place that you go and it becomes sacred. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It can be as simple as you want. It's your space. Now, I live in a fairly large house, but there's a lot of people in my house, so space is always at a premium. My working space is in the corner of my bedroom, and it has been in the corner of my bedroom for years, actually for as long as I've been practicing. So I've never had a separate room or anything like that. It's a pretty small space. In that space, I have a small wooden table that I use as my altar. An altar is a flat surface that you can put sacred objects on or the tools that you're using in your workings. It can be simple or it can be extravagant. I've seen some really beautiful altars that definitely make me a little bit jealous, but mine is pretty simple. I keep a candle on my altar, I keep incense on my altar, and a few other objects that are important to me. 
Some of them change with the seasons. Some of them stay there all the time. But if you walk by my altar, unless you're really in the know, it may not even strike you as something that's out of the ordinary. Having that space that you go to every day helps to create a habit. Of course, just having the space and just going to it doesn't create the habit by itself. You have to work at it. One myth of habit making is that it takes 21 days to form a habit. Well, it's not quite as simple as that. 21 days is a great starting point. And if you can go to your space for 10 minutes every day for the next 21 days, you're going to be a lot farther ahead than most witches and magicians. But again, you have to work at it. The first few days might seem easy. You look forward to it. It's something new. But once that newness wears off, you have to fight through the distractions and the interruptions. But this is probably the most critical time. Think about what you're trying to accomplish here. You're trying to set a foundation that is going to help you achieve success, whatever that means to you, and it's also going to help you navigate the darkness when it sets in. So find a space in your home and get started. Find a space where you're going to be comfortable, where you're not going to be interrupted, where it's fairly quiet. If you're going to be sitting on the floor, have a small cushion in the space. Keep a small blanket nearby. When you're sitting still, you might get chilly. Think about what's going to make this space comfortable for you and make it your own. You're going to find that over time, that space, as you begin to practice magic, is going to become magical in of itself. It's almost like, um, without sounding too sci-fi, almost like a vortex. You know, you're there, you're practicing your magic, you're calling in your ancestors, you're working with spirits. The space itself becomes a spiritual and sacred space. So there's definitely value in using the same space repetitively. The second thing that you need to do is to meditate. And if you're like me, when I was first starting out, hearing the word meditate may make you cringe. And if that's what's happening right now, then you really need to listen up. Trust me, because this is going to be the basis for everything that you do. Being able to breathe, being able to focus on our breath, being able to clear our mind, being able to use our imagination, being able to ground our energy. These are really important things. And if you're thinking right now that you don't like to meditate, that you're no good at it, whatever, get over it. You just need to sit down and do it. I mentioned grounding when I mentioned meditation. Being able to ground yourself is going to help you to be able to meditate. Grounding is drawing on the Earth's energy of stability and stillness. When you're finished listening to this episode, go to LilithAmberly.com, that's L-I-L-I-T-H-A-M-B-E-R-L-Y.com, and sign up for my VIP list. When you do that, you're going to get my free guided grounding meditation to download and use whenever you want. The third thing that you're going to do is get yourself a notebook and something to write with. It doesn't have to be fancy. It can be, but it doesn't need to be. And you're going to start writing your experiences down. So after you meditate, uh, maybe while you were meditating, your mind started to drift where you were thinking about a specific problem, a specific situation, and things popped up. Write things down as you go through your journey work and as you do spell work. You know, you're going to want to write down what you did, when you did it, what was the outcome. Because kind of like cooking, um, when you're creating a new recipe, you're going to want to remember what the ingredients were. What temperature did you bake something at? For how long? You want to know how it turned out because if your recipe turned out great, then it's probably something that you're going to want to repeat in the future. But maybe if it wasn't so successful, then you look to the next time as to see what can you do differently. Um, What can you do differently to have a more positive outcome? If you use Tarot, start writing those readings down. When you start writing things down, patterns are going to emerge and you're going to start noticing synchronicities in life. Let me tell you a story. So 
several years ago, I was doing some shadow work. So put simply, shadow work is when we work on the parts of ourselves that may have been wounded, parts of ourselves that um, we think of sometimes as negatively, although there's always the flip side, the positive light side of those things. It's essentially not necessarily moving past our wounds, but healing our wounds. So I was doing some work and the work um, was specifically around a period of time in my life as a child. And I was working pretty hard at healing this wound um, that, you know, in the bigger scheme of things, really didn't seem like that big of a deal. But to a child, it was pretty traumatic. So I spent in several days really working on this. Um, and as I moved past, I really didn't give it a whole lot of thought afterwards. Um, you know, things felt better. I moved on. But the next time I was talking to my dad, he shared a dream with me, which is, you know, kind of odd in of itself because my dad and I, that's not something that we do. We don't share our dreams with each other. But when I was talking to him, he said he wanted to share his dream with me because it was so odd. Um, he just felt compelled to tell me about it. So he said in the dream, uh, we were in a car. I was driving the car and he was in the passenger seat. And while we were driving down the road, he was telling me to slow down. And I kept telling him, you know, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And he said, he looked in the back seat and then saw me in the back seat. So I was driving the car and I was in the back seat of the car. But the version of me in the back seat was myself as a child. He said I was about six or seven years old. And that was pretty much all that he recalled of the dream. But again, he thought it was odd and he wanted to share it. And when he shared that with me, I can tell you that like the hair on my arm started to stand up because I knew um, the work that I had been doing. So, you know, to him, I was just like, oh, wow, you know, that's, you know, really, really cool. Thank you for sharing it. You know, it is a little odd. Um, but again, I knew the work I had been doing. So I asked him, hey, do you remember when you had this dream? And he's like, yeah, it was like about a week or so ago on a Wednesday or whatever day it was. And I went back to my journal, and sure enough, when he had that dream was exactly when I was doing this work. So let me tell you, if I was not writing a lot down before then, I began writing everything down after that, because it was such a profound experience to me. Now, did that change anything that I was doing? No, but what it did was it drew attention to the fact that the work that we do does have influence on not only our lives, but our, the lives of the people around us. So those are the three things that you can do today to jumpstart your magical practice. Again, find space, meditate, and write things down. So join me in our next episode as we build that foundation further and talk about how the elements are incorporated into magic. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to follow Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft and share it with a friend. And don't forget to go to LilithAmberly.com to download my free grounding exercise. Until next time, have a most wonderful and magical day.